By the time you're listening to this, Sprout Social will have released its 2022 index project, analyzing the state of social for marketers and consumers in Britain and Ireland. Now, they've surveyed over a thousand British and Irish consumers to better understand what they want from brands on social and more than 500 British and Irish social marketers to see how their strategies match up with those expectations. To talk us through the report's findings today, we're joined by Kat Anderson, who is the head of Emea Marketing at Sprout Social. Yeah, we always love having a report in front of us and especially with Kat here to talk us through. Uh, we covered so many different aspects of the report as well as some pearls of wisdom, including why brand loyalty differs depending on your location, how your brand can get the most out of WhatsApp and why Brits are spending more time on social media than Americans. Well, Kat, welcome to Social Minds. It's great to have you on the pod. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. So every week we start off with our overarching question and this week yours is how do this year's social trends in the UK and Ireland differ from the US? It's an interesting one actually because I think in many ways a lot of the stuff that we saw kind of reflected the two years that we've kind of just come out of you know where everyone was using social media a lot more and I think a lot of that sort of increase in usage from brands and consumers was the same both sides of the Atlantic But there were some parts of the report that I just thought were so interesting where there are like huge differences between the two different regions. So like the first one that I thought was interesting is with regards to how people are using social media on a day-to-day basis. And in the UK, 37% of the consumers said that they were on social media for more than two hours a day, which is pretty heavy use. Like that's, you know, that's quite a lot. Proportionally though, then with the US consumers, only 31% gave the same response. So I just thought that was really interesting to think of that the UK is actually now at a position where it's maybe using social media, like consumers are maybe using it a little bit more than their US counterparts. Mm. Because I don't think that's how we typically think about how people use social media over in this part of the world. I think sometimes we can think maybe the US is a couple of steps ahead of us or using it a bit more, but that's just not the case anymore. Another thing that I really loved in the report, and I just was like, wow, that's so interesting, relatable, and also pretty important for brands is about customer expectations when it comes to like being responded to. So if you're absolutely livid, you're going on customer service, you're waiting for a response. If you leave somebody waiting for too long in the US, the number one response that the consumer said that they would do, their reaction would be to, you know, bad mouth you to friends and family. So sort of like give off to friends and family. Not great, of course, but for the UK and Irish consumers, what they said, their number one action would be to just simply go to a competitor and to like cancel a transaction. So I just was like, wow, that's so interesting because like there's a lot for UK and Irish brands to lose then, you know, because I kind of would be inclined to think losing the business is worse than unhappy friends and family as well, you know, so. We're less vocal, but more brutal in that sense. Yeah, savage, <laughs> savage yeah. consumers in the UK and Ireland. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we've got, we've got the report in front of us here and I always love having it in front of us and just kind of picking some weird and wacky stats. And actually the first one I'd highlighted was the one that you brought up there in terms of more than one third, so 37% of British and Irish consumers say they spend over two hours on social a day. I, I, I am and 
and I'm not surprised, I guess. Um, I mean, looking at my own phone time, it's something I've been trying to curb recently, especially since New Year. I've just been trying to bring it down. And I think mine would make yours look gentle, honestly. <laughs> so, so, so when you say two hours, that I can, I, especially because I think WhatsApp's considered, obviously is a social platform, but because WhatsApp's in there, you know, I can mm. spend one and a half oh, hours, yeah. two hours on WhatsApp a day, especially kind of the working remotely, et cetera. It just seems to be, you know, you just when you talk about, you know, China and the US, you just think on technology all day, which obviously is you know, mainly social. So why do you think Brits are spending more time online? And what does that mean for the brands that are trying to reach them? Yeah, it's so interesting, right? Like, I think, obviously, we'll have to address the big, horrible elephant in the room, which is that we were all in lockdown. So we yeah. were all, you know, we had a lot less to be doing with our spare time. So I do think that that probably initially was the catalyst to get people to sort of connect with people a lot more in social media. Um, and certainly what I thought was really interesting, by the way, with that 31% or 37%, I should say, is that that was right across all the generations as well. So that wasn't just like 37%, but that also happened to be like all the 18 to 34 year olds. That was across all of the generations, Brits are using it more. So I think Lockdown obviously was the catalyst where people were going there because there weren't so many other opportunities. But whenever we conducted this survey, like just a month or so ago, you know, lockdown was over. So these habits have really mm -hmm. stuck. And I think that probably like there's no denying the convenience of everything on social media. So like, as you say, WhatsApp in the, is in there, like everyone and their granny uses WhatsApp. I think now that you can just get anything you need, anything you want, any information at the at the drop of a hat. And it's just so unbelievably convenient that now everyone yeah. from age 16 to age 75 is on board with that. I think then for like what that means for brands, like it's a massive opportunity, right? Because I feel like I used to work in a traditional advertising agency and the amount of money that you would spend on like a billboard or a radio ad or a TV ad or these like moments where you're trying to connect with audiences and build your customer base out, you're paying massive amounts of money for like a tiny little split second interaction with them. Not split second, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like 30 seconds, two minutes. And with social, I know obviously the timelines uh, and the feeds are moving really fast, but you've way more opportunity then to connect with people and to like develop your brand. And I just think it's pretty exciting, you know, and I think it's something that honestly, there's heaps more space for brands to be doing things with, because like, I think there are some brands that are doing really cool things on social at the minute in this part of the world. But I feel like the sense I get is that a lot of brands are kind of waking up to it in these past two years and are kind of going like, oh my goodness we really need to concentrate on this and like yeah. connect with people. Do you think it'd be the case where like, for example, if you were a brand who had big markets in both the US and uh, over here in the UK and Ireland, um, that this data might suggest you spend a little bit more time re reaching your British audience on social and perhaps there's a bit more wiggle room in other mediums on the US side? Eve, <sighs> that's such a great question. Um, I definitely think the data suggests that the two audiences potentially maybe need to be handled a little bit differently. One of the things about the savage UK and Irish consumers who are like, if you're keeping us waiting too long, we'll just go to a competitor. Mm -hmm. I think there's a really interesting thing that we touch on in the report about the culture of brand loyalty. And it's kind of hard to necessarily prove cultural points with data, like the, like within this data point. But I think I'd be interested even what you think, you know, 
Brand loyalty as a concept seems to be way more ingrained in the US, whereas I think over here, we don't really have it as much. Like we have a little bit of it. And so I wonder then if that's an opportunity for like, so as you say, if you've got a customer base in both markets, maybe figuring out how to build that brand loyalty with your British and Irish consumers would be something that I would focus on, you know, because you have a lot more to lose if you don't meet their expectations. Well, we're on the topic of obviously the Brits and the Americans. I don't know if you know this one, but I'm just trying to think of a, a reason for those uh, those figures. The majority of Brits are on WhatsApp, right? Americans use iMessage. Really? So does that class as a social, or does that class as social media? iMessage, I, I think I would say no, no. But we, we have this about um, Facebook Messenger as well. We've had this debate before, whether or not you class it as sort of an app in its own right, which I'd argue over the last two years it has been. But like historically, it was always just a bolt onto the Facebook product. Yeah, um, yeah. But now obviously in reports like this, you're sort of counting time spent in those channels on their own. But if WhatsApp is counted and iMessage isn't, that might suggest you know a bit of a uh, lean towards um, like Brit usage. Yeah, because definitely in the um, in phone time, because I've been trying to cut it, I know that uh, WhatsApp is definitely under social. So just whether because and then iMessage is is broken out, but whether in the report it's classed as social, I don't know. It's interesting that WhatsApp. I think it's a really good point though. It's interesting that WhatsApp is considered social media because like all of the other ones. Yeah, it just feels different, doesn't it? Because it's very like consumer to consumer, private conversations. Like it feels same, same, but different, significantly mm. different. Okay, I'm going to talk to you a bit more about that brand loyalty point later because I think that's a really interesting one. But I'm keen to sort of explore, you know, speaking about side effects of the pandemic and, you know, the impact that's had on our digital habits. One area that I found particularly interesting in the report was the impact that we've seen on, you know, British and Irish uh, businesses, uh, brands and agencies looking for social media talent and actually the impact that um, the pandemic's had on that. So there's a point here saying that businesses are restructuring their marketing teams entirely. And I guess off the back of that, our question is how should businesses navigate this um, in a hiring market that's now like super competitive that's a a difficult one for sure Um, yeah but yeah like I think a lot of it is I think loads of companies are waking up to the value of social now and it's pretty undeniable Mm -hmm. at this point and you know when you think even maybe like five six years ago social media might have been something that some companies thought It was a little bit of a nice to have. They might like get the intern to chuck a few posts online a few times a week. Whereas now, you know, I think, again, I just feel like having lived in the UK and Ireland over the past couple of years, it's so ingrained in our society. Like I always think a good example is thinking of like, you know, how often do you see like a tweet cited in the six o'clock news? You know, that's how much, you know, Mm. we're using social media all the time now. So brands, I think companies that maybe previously had it as a little add on to the marketing team, they're maybe going like, oh my goodness, like we, we need to like figure out how we use social, not just for marketing, not just for connecting with our, our audiences, but also for social commerce as a revenue channel, also as like a customer service channel. And that's why I think a lot of them are going okay, well, what what are the skill sets that we need? And then, yeah, if they're looking at a fairly, what would be the word, like sparsely resourced social team, you know, they are going to have to restructure it totally. I think my advice with anything like this, like obviously it's going to be very different depending on like what the brand is and what the company is. But with anything, I think like have a look at like what your goals are with it. Like what is it that you want to achieve? Is it that you are thinking about, right, 
we really need to pick up our customer service on social media, or, you know, we really need to start utilizing social data a little bit more to inform our product or whatever it is. Have a think about what your goals are, figure that out, and then you can figure out the right way to structure the team. The second part of your question, the awful one is obviously the hiring market's absolutely bananas at the minute. Uh, And I think people, yeah, it's really difficult, you know, like candidates who are, you know, earmarked as being talented or have the experience that people are looking for, they're going to be snapped up and it's super duper competitive. I do think one thing that always comes up as well is that, and you see in job descriptions where people will say, oh, we want someone who's got like four years experience or 10 years experience know, with and then TikTok. it's like an entry-level job and they want you to do like community management, content creation, videography and design totally. and copywriting all in one job. We covered that on our, our Metaverse episode actually. The, you know, the Metaverse is a relatively new thing and they were they were hiring for someone with 10 years experience in Metaverse. It ridiculous. Like, sure, Just it like, exist. At, at that point, the, the one doing the hiring doesn't know enough to be yeah. taking someone on. They're like just stop and like, yeah, educate. Totally. We're not gonna rant we're not gonna rant about that. <laughs> um, <laughs> and in the report it says that um obviously after the pandemic, what we've seen is obviously we've just talked about how much more time on social that Brits um and Irish people are, you know, spending online. So it said the pandemic allowed consumer social sophistication to flourish, but at the same time you've got businesses who are, you know, laying off staff, uh, you know, cutting yeah. roles and yet yeah, stifling these opportunities for uh social media professionals. And now obviously we're in a position where the consumers want to see more online stuff like their expectations are a lot higher but there's no sort of resource to meet those needs on the other end it's kind of a perfect story really isn't it because yeah i think now another point is that you know i was mentioning there all of the different ways that companies can be using social and i think now again to to harken back to that poor little forgotten intern who was throwing a few posts up two or three times a week, you know, five, six years ago. Nowadays, what it means to be a social media professional is actually way more broad as well. So I Mm. I do think that, you know, companies are like maybe panicking a little bit and flustered because they know that this is probably an area where they need to excel quickly and they need to stock up to do that. And it's at a time where the market's absolutely, yeah, pretty difficult to be hiring people. Like you need to have pretty solid budgets. You need to be pretty agile. Things that sometimes don't go hand in hand with the hiring process. So yeah, it's a difficult one because I just think one thing we talk about in the report is that I do think because of everything that happened with COVID, the UK and Ireland, I do think has, a. I think this was coming for us anyway, that we were going to be way more socially focused. But I think everything that's happened in the last two years has really accelerated that. So this has all come a little bit faster than probably we were anticipating. And so therefore that's where we've got this kind of like fluster of like, oh my goodness, consumers are here in abundance. They want us Mm -hmm. to be doing customer service here. This is where they want to connect with us. This is Like they just want everything to be digital and maybe companies were like, oh, we kind of thought this might be something we could gradually build up towards because it, you know, it's come faster than we expected. No, we touched on WhatsApp a bit earlier, but one of the things on the report says that one of the most used social channels um, that marketers are actually missing out on is WhatsApp. One of the cases where only only 7% of marketers anticipate using it over the next year. That's from the report. And I mean, you can tell us a little bit more about this. That's compared to what a large percentage of consumers who are on there. And that's not the case for, say, like Facebook, YouTube, etc. I think WhatsApp is an interesting one. And we kind of touched on this because it kind of feels a little bit different from some of the other platforms because it's consumer to consumer. It's kind of where private conversations are happening. To my mind, I think... <laughs> 
hot takes here from me. Uh, <laughs> I think that brands should be using it as a customer service channel. I think that's where it makes yeah. the most sense. I feel like I personally, again, these are all definitely my own opinions. I don't love getting an SMS bit of advertising from someone and oh, no. I you don't really get it on WhatsApp, but I don't really enjoy uh, a messenger kind of service advertising outbound to me. If you're having an issue, you know, I do think some brands are doing this. If you're having like an issue and you need to troubleshoot something, oh my goodness, WhatsApp would be amazing, you know? And I know mm -hmm. that um, like my boss was saying he had an issue a while ago with like setting up a router, like his internet router. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was able to get onto the company, WhatsApp them. They could respond like, you know, just literally live chat. He could send pictures and stuff of like the setup. And it was unbelievably convenient. Uh, that I think would be a game changer because I still no, think customer service it has migrated now onto social and you see a lot of people using like Twitter DMs for customer service or like live chat on a website. But I think live chat with WhatsApp where you can take photos, you can, it's way more interactive. I think that would be such a solid way to like really build like brand loyalty, like deliver amazing customer service. That's kind of where I think they should focus the WhatsApp. Yeah, there's nothing worse than, you know, I, th I think we've all seen, you know, like Twitter help accounts, for example, but then naturally they only work nine to five. So, you know, you yeah. finish your work, you then go and try and set your boiler up at home and you're like, oh, yeah. know, they're off work as well. So. Think of then about phone lines. There are still places where you have to phone them and you're sitting, oh my God, there's nothing worse than sitting in a phone <laughs> queue. And you're like, yeah. you know, if you're sitting honestly for like 20 minutes listening to the same song, I like. I think it's a really bad way. I mean, you better hope it's a good song, right? But you won't yeah. catch me doing that. I think just <laughs> I'm not alone in my generation for like hating phone calls. Full stop. I think if you're not like available to reach via Twitter DMs and uh, you know or WhatsApp or Messenger, it's yeah you're missing out on something for sure. But I was just gonna say, I think people are a lot faster, or brands are a lot faster typically in Twitter DMs um, than they are on WhatsApp. Because I know like WhatsApp for business obviously has moved from that broadcast model where people were using it to send out, you know, little newsletters and things like that to this one-to-one -one customer service model, um, which I think is a better use for the platform. But I was messaging a fashion brand the other day about returns, I think, and they just took forever to get back to me. And that was really jarring. And oh, I guess yeah. if it was one of those cases, Kat, where we've said, you know, the Brits would just go over to a competitor, if it wasn't, you know, the case where I'd already made my order and now I actually had it, you know, complaint or a query about it, I would have just left. Um, but I was messaging the post office the other day. It's a fun little anecdote on Facebook Messenger, actually, but same principle. I couldn't find any information online about whether A7 was too small of a postcard to post. Uh, so I just messaged them on Facebook and they got back immediately. It was like, yeah, no, that's fine as long as there's room for a stamp. Like, honestly, within the second. And I was like, brilliant. And I now, I now yeah. love the post office. So it does work. <laughs> insight into Eve's weekends. Yeah, I know. I've been called. I lead a thrilling life. <laughs> And what a cute little thing you must have been posting. A7. That's teeny tiny. That's like the size of a stamp, is it not? That is the stamp. <laughs> it's a, yeah. it's a, my friend's <laughs> wedding's RSVPs. Long story. We'll not go into that. Aww, so cute. That'll make it a bit more yeah, exciting. Yeah, Shall we on. move on to AR and VR? Oh, yeah. yeah. Looking at that kind of shifting behavior, you know, we're talking about bringing stuff onto WhatsApp. Another shifting behavior is the lean towards AR and VR. And we all know why with obviously Web3, um, the metaverse on the horizon, if not already here. So in the report, more than two thirds of marketers anticipate and invest in at least a quarter of their budgets into AR, VR, metaverse, social strategy over the next 12 months. But there is a disparity because only 39% of consumers anticipate these technologies to play a role in how they engage with brands. So there's a gap here. You've got 66% invested in marketing budgets. 
but 39% of consumers predicting they'll it's actually the use it. to WhatsApp, isn't it? It was like on WhatsApp, the consumers are there, <laughs> but the marketers aren't. And on like yeah. the VR, the marketers are there, but the consumers aren't. So I, I wanted to know, really, is this cause for marketers to step back on the technologies to, to rein in that budget? Or is there scope to educate the consumer on something that could actually enrich their digital and branded experience? Who should we be targeting to, to bridge that gap in the figures? Yeah, I mean, another great question, Callum, to be honest with you. Like, I, it's funny, I actually chatted to some people, to a bunch of uh, like industries yesterday about this. And I asked them this question. I was like, do you see this as an opportunity to to kind of sit back, relax, just really focus on social where your consumers are right now? And all of them resignedly were like, no. They're, and I feel like the general consensus is that social is always moving so fast anyway, that if you have like a glimpse of something of what could be coming over the hill, it's good to kind of like ready yourself and get ready for yeah. that in advance because oftentimes the consumer adoption of new technologies when it does actually happen will be really swift and really fast. And we actually kind of saw this in the early 2000s with social anyway, where, you know, people knew that they had to focus on this, but the brands that have focused on social and like really paid attention to it have got the competitive advantage now because they have the huge followings. They have like the great online brand presence. And then, you know, there's a lot of other brands that are kind of playing catch up. But at the same time, I can't help but think as well, it should be. I just still think there's such a gap between how a lot of brands are utilizing social that I think that they that data kind of could suggest that they're maybe slightly over-indexing on focusing on these future technologies when there's such an opportunity like sitting on their lap right now where all of the consumers don't really give two hoots about the future technologies. Like, Because it's kind of what, I mean, that's paraphrasing broadly. They do, they're interested, but it's not a hot interest, you know? Like I think what we saw from the data is that consumers are in abundance on social they are using social enormously, but there is still that gap between consumer usage and how brands are utilizing it. So I kind of think not to be too boringly on the fence about it, uh, they should maybe split their focus. I think like keeping an eye on future trends always makes sense because you will have competitive advantage if you're prepared and you've feathered your nest. But I still think there's heaps that can be done on social right now. And there's still loads of gaps where brands can sort of step up and really improve what's going on right at this second. Because I, you basically, you don't want to like focus so much on what's coming down the track in, I don't know, a year, 18 months time and actually miss what's happening right now. Yeah, no, definitely. It might be all right for like, I don't know, massive brands like Coca-Cola and Nike to you know, be thinking about NFTs and what have you, but there are, I mean, as this report shows, a lot of marketers, small businesses, medium-sized businesses that still uh, could do with nailing down some of the basics on social. Um, and I said we'd come back to brand loyalty, so we'll we'll talk a bit about that now. Yeah, just looking at like what the report says about, um, again, a bit of a difference between the US and the UK, um, but we know that just because someone follows you, your brand on social, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're loyal to you. So I guess my first question is, is brand loyalty as achievable or as much of a realistic goal here uh, in the UK and Ireland as it is in the States. Um, and then I guess how brands can sort of seek to build that out a bit better here and maybe equal it up between here and the States. Yeah, so I do think that whether it's that brand loyalty isn't so much a concept in the UK and Ireland as much as it is in the US or that we just haven't had as much time to build it up on social. There's definitely a difference between the two uh, sides of the Atlantic. 
I do think though that it is possible. Of course it's possible to build it up here. And I think that sometimes a tendency for brands to feel a little bit like overly formal with their communication style. And that I think is really, really changing with social. I think there are uh, loads of brands that are injecting way more personality into how they market uh, on social. So that we've got the likes of like Innocent, Ryanair, Aldi and Little, like all of these brands that are starting to like really show their personality on social. I think that totally builds brand loyalty. Duolingo. I will talk about them until the cows come home. But yeah, like I think that this is something that, again, maybe we're seeing a little bit more in the States. I think that British brands, British and Irish brands are kind of realizing that this is a way that they can get a little bit of a competitive advantage on social. They can like build up that sort of rapport with their customers in a way that like older style, like more formal style marketing didn't really work in the same way. And I think that that sort of relationship building marketing is where you will actually get people being like, do you know what? Uh, Maybe I will reach for an innocent smoothie instead of Tesco's own because they really crack me up on Twitter every day. So I I definitely think that it's possible. And I I actually also think we're going to see way more brands moving in that sort of emotional personality-led marketing one other thing that I think is really, really interesting and it isn't in the report is that I do think there's a real fondness in the UK and Ireland for a bit of humor on social. And we actually did a little bit of research into this. I'm kind of, I'm a bit, a bit obsessed with this as well. I think that if you can, like, I was trying to understand, like, what's the relationship between like being funny on social and the value to the business? Like, cause there clearly is something on what is it, but if you're having these opportunities to make people giggle, you're actually creating it, you know, there's stuff happening in your brain. You're having this little positive moment where your customer is having a positive moment in alignment with your brand. And if you're able to kind of do that consistently on social media in a way that you couldn't do on television or on radio. And again, when you think of the brands I mentioned her doing it all the time, it just builds this real positive connection in your customer and your customers' heads, which I just think is really, really fascinating. So that's like one other thing. We didn't actually talk about it in the report because again, quantifying humor very difficult. Tricky. But um, I definitely think there's like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I I don't think it's a coincidence that the brands that are absolutely smashing it on social tend to be pretty hilarious as well. Yeah. I was just going to say that, you know, you duo lingos, KFC, KFC UK and Ireland, big shout out. They're all grounded (laughs) in, (laughs) they're all grounded in humor. Um, So absolutely there is no coincidence there. Um, But like I said, let's stay on the topic of, of brand perception on social for a little bit and in the report we see consumers say having a recognizable brand is the most important factor on being distinct on social so again all those brands that we mentioned there they have distinctive assets mm. that make them instantly recognizable you know consumers want to have want to see brands having fun right and they want to be or they want to see them be known for something essentially but then marketers tend to place more importance on some of the more serious issues rather than the humor like the humorous issues so embracing you know social issues champion diversity equality inclusion obviously very important so do you think brands are putting the priority on the wrong thing whereby they're focusing on some of the more serious issues rather than the humorous issues or is there a balance to be had I think it's really important to take a stand on things these days because people do want to know who they're doing business with. I think we're living in a time where not taking comment on certain things, I don't think consumers will stand for it anymore. And again, from that brand loyalty thing, I think people are probably more likely to say, do you know what? Like that is an eco-friendly, like that's not even just eco-friendly, that company is actively taking steps to think about like their packaging and like 
blah, 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 blah. Or like, you know, I know that they are really focusing on making sure that their board is like, has got diverse hiring in it. Um, I think people are taking these things a lot more seriously now. So I do understand why marketers are like, okay, we need to make sure that if we're taking these actions within the company, we need to broadcast these. We need to make sure people are aware of these because again, it's that sort of, it's not personality building in the same way that humor is, but it it, it does give you an idea of who you're doing business with. Yeah, And I think that it's a funny one because if you think about going back to like when we all lived in villages and we'd just go down to our greengrocer and you knew exactly who was behind the counter and like what they stood for and like their family and everything. We can't replicate that on like a global national level anymore. But I think brands are realizing that consumers are going to be more interested in like kind of getting a feel for what they stand for. So I, yeah. So I think those conversations are happening anyway. And I'd say marketers are being told, yeah, we need to broadcast this. But yeah, interesting then, like the consumer side of things being distinct, I think probably from a consumer, like if you asked me that walking down the street, like, what do you, like, what are you looking out for from someone like from a brand, from Tesco, from like Aldi, from Lidl, from whomever on, on social, do you want them to be making big stances about D, E and I, or are you more interested Mm -hmm. in them cracking a joke? I'd probably say cracking a joke, not because I don't care about those other things. I absolutely do. But just in terms of like what people interact with, I think they're going to be more, you know, there's a lot of intensity going on in the world right now. So I think honestly, I think that's why humor is kind of really doing well because people are Mm -hmm. looking for moments of levity in their lives. So it's a really, uh, that's such a, a rubbish answer because again, I'm right on the fence. Like I think it's really important to show both sides I mean, let's talk about the report. I mean, the, the question that Sprout, I guess, posed to both consumers and marketers was what, um, you know, makes a brand distinct on social and what how the marketers have answered, I think, is like sort of what, it's almost the PR answer whereby like, yes, it's very important, but consumers are actually saying it's not what's making you stand out, I think, because everyone's doing it. So it's not enough yeah. to make you distinct, you know, whether or not it's important. Um, it's sort of, yeah answering a different question I think is the the DEI advertising um yeah is solving a different problem I think to the answer of you know what's making you distinctive yeah it's a difficult one and I think you're right actually because I think probably again with yeah we've had like a really crazy few years uh and then a lot of like positive things have happened and there's been a lot of conversations that have come to the surface where people are wanting answers way more than ever um and businesses just can't sit back on that But I totally agree with you, Eve. Like, I think when everyone is having these conversations and everyone's broadcasting like, hey, we are diverse. Hey, we are supporting our black colleagues. We are supporting our transgender colleagues. We're supporting our female colleagues, whatever it may be. That's really great. And we want to see it. But maybe a lot of people are doing it, which is also a wonderful problem to have because they all Mm. should be doing it. But in terms of like how that makes you distinct. It maybe yeah. isn't isn't the 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 killer blow that you need, you know, and it could be you need to find something else to make you truly distinct. I mean, like things like this, I think, you know, why it's important for reports like this to come out so you can actually see like where those priorities are being placed and how it can differ between the marketer and the consumer. So hopefully any brands listening will be able to see like areas they might be able to help match those two things up a bit more. Um, but I know yeah. we have we have time for one more question. And one point I did really want to touch on was the social media data and sort of social commerce trends that were coming out. So here it says British and Irish marketers need to embrace new data driven standards for proactive decision making. So 
can you tell us a little bit more about what that entails and I guess what those insights or the, what the report shows this insi uh, these insights will be able to deliver in terms of this social commerce functionality that's becoming more and more important? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the thing with the social data, like I do think generally social media should be approached with an attitude of being experimental and data driven. You know, to, it's important to figure out what's working, why it's working, who it's working with, how you're connecting with people, when are the best times for you to post, what content is performing the best. Like, do people like video? Do people like text? What's the engagement? Like, blah, 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 blah. There's a million different data sets you can look at to help you be more successful. I think then I'm pretty confident that social commerce, social commerce is already here, but I think that's something that's only going to snowball and become more and more massive, to be honest with you, because buying from social media where people are spending increasing amounts of time anyway, seems like a bit of a no brainer, you know, instead of maybe, I honestly think social commerce will take over from like app based commerce, which is already massive and also mm -hmm. website based commerce because people are already there. So if you can remove that step. So handy, like move, removing any step to conversion, any marketer will know that's happy days. Therefore, like throwing all of that social data insight that you might've looked at to analyze how your just your general social media performance was going. If you can use that to understand how you can improve that channel of revenue, mm -hmm. I mean, it's an absolute game changer. I do think that social data it's such a small, two little words to describe an awful lot of different things. Yeah. So, you know, one of the questions that we asked was, you know, like how often we asked marketers, you know, like how often are you actually using social data? And it's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I mean, they could just be looking at like how many replies they got, how many likes they got. A lot of brands have different definitions for yeah. what comes under social data as well. Yeah. I mean, things like social listening, for example, it blows my mind. Like I cannot believe the stuff that you can look at and understand. And, you know, having a tool that can do that is like, it's unbelievable to me. It's unbelievable to me. And I work for Sprite Social. <laughs> I work for a tool that does it. And every time I see it, I'm like, this is absolutely amazing. And I don't think that people are utilizing the fact that you can really, really analyze like what people are talking about. How are people talking about your competitors? What is the sentiment about your business? Like things that are much more deep and in depth than just sort of like your basic engagement stuff and your basic sort of social media analytics that we're all really familiar with. And then, yeah, basically applying that to social commerce, which I honestly, I'll go on record. I will bet you I don't know, whatever you want that in honestly, like 18 months, that is where everyone is going to be doing. That's where everyone is going to be doing their purchasing. And if you can apply all of that really, really in-depth, so like, it's like with anything, if you can apply data and understanding to efforts that you're making, of course, you're going to be able to finesse them. Of course, mm -hmm. you're going to see way more like positive results. So yeah, it's just, it's, it's exciting. But I would say the thing is obviously then to hark back to our earlier point, all of these social teams are really well, it seems like a lot of them are really understaffed at the minute. So it's like, it's really difficult. Yeah. Like we hear all the time, a lot of social media managers, you know, they're really overworked. They're working loads and loads of different, you know, they're wearing loads of hats in one role. And yeah. so having the time and space to actually be able to utilize the social data is really, really important as well.
it's all well and good telling brands what they should be doing on social, but unless you've got the resource and the sort of talent to execute it, that's like got to be step yeah. one, doesn't it? But um, yeah, we've talked a lot of different areas today uh, <laughs> and we'll have to wrap up here, but I just want to say a big thanks for coming on uh, and I guess reiterate to everyone listening to go and read the report from Sprout and we'll, uh, we'll link on our socials where you can find it. Thanks so much for having me. It was so fun. And if you didn't know it by now, we love reports. And it's always fun, you know, delving into so many stats. And there's six or seven different stats and bits of feedback in this report uh, from Sprout that you can get stuck into. So, yeah, definitely make sure to check it out. A really interesting chat with Kat there. And so interesting to see the consumer data there backing up predicted trends that we thought might come true and that are clearly on the horizon. For example, you know, the, the rise of WhatsApp and how that may be something that in time picks up through community management and also the shift in behavior, you know, moving towards AR and VR. I think we all know it's coming, but to see that marketers are already putting budget aside and, and strategy pieces over the next 12 months to tackle, I think it's a really big indicator of, of where things are going in social. I know like we obviously covered a lot during this episode, but one thing I'm keen to talk about a little bit more is this point on um, brand loyalty that we were on about and the disparity in particular between what brands are focusing on versus what consumers actually expect. So this idea about how to be distinct on social, and it's actually the consumers who are saying distinctive assets and good customer service, things like that, whereas brands are placing a lot more priority on diversity, equality, inclusion, CSR, that kind of thing. Um, And I think that's maybe a case of British and Irish brands acting American, because maybe that's something that American consumers uh, you know, are more interested in seeing. But it's yeah. just interesting to me that every marketer knows that distinctive assets are what makes you stand out on social. And the consumer shouldn't really have to tell us that, right? Like we should be doing it. Um, so there is a massive disparity there. And I think one, just to know if that is something you've been focusing on in your messaging and, uh, you know, online ads might be time to sort of take a little, a different approach. Yeah, it's interesting you say that, you know, I think Americans can be quite polarizing at times, mm. you know, especially in the kind of like politics and um, just kind of, yeah, views and rights, etc. And I actually think Kat really managed that question quite well. It was quite a tricky question, yeah, yeah. <laughs> potentially put her down the wrong path, <laughs> but I thought she managed it well. And uh, yeah, completely right in saying that, you know, brands do have to prove they care. They just shouldn't mm. be getting bogged down in it too much to, to, you know, completely dampen the feed. There still needs to be that humor there, yeah. if, especially if being a British brand or a majority uh, British following. I think with you know Brits are quite um quite used to seeing humor in social and mm. um we've seen like I say the the rise of your duo lingos etc although not necessarily a British brand just humor on the feed in general does, mm. does it's wonders. what we tend to respond to I think and again there's always that disparity between what people so you have to be careful with any sort of report or data like this there is always going to be a difference between what people say they'll respond to and what they'll actually respond to yeah uh, that they might not actually fully know that about themselves so they'll very happily vocally tell you that they're interested in brands that have the same values as them but when they see csr post after csr post on the feed are they really going to want to engage with it yeah. um, as opposed to you know a, a meme or a joke that obviously is going to get a, a faster like out of them yeah, just to move things along and, and focus on WhatsApp for a moment. So 7% of marketers anticipate using that platform over the next 12 months, which I think is quite low. I'm If you, if you know me, I'm quite a big fan of dark social. So whether it be um, your sort of discords or your WhatsApps, the things that you don't typically you know see out there on, mm. say, you know, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, etc. Um, I think it 
can be quite a dangerous game if you get it wrong. It can be quite intrusive, you know, you're in someone's inbox. I mean, the other day I had someone try to send me a house on a text, you know. It's it's not exactly, <laughs> it's it? not a, you know, it's not <laughs> an impulse work? decision. <laughs> um, but if you do it right, then you'll likely see huge rewards because you spend so much time there. Like mm -hmm. I say, um, I think my like average on WhatsApp a day is like an hour and a half. You know, if I'm spending an hour and a half on there and then and suddenly, you know, I'm then engaging with brands in there and it's in the right way. Could definitely see huge rewards. You know, that community management that Kat mentioned, if again, if you know, if I have my boiler breaks and I can literally just send a text to someone who's in theory online 24 seven helping me out, mm. I can take pictures like she said and send it. It, it. It's magic. It's so convenient. Yeah. All it really comes down to for me, I think is extremely fast responses, uh, ideally from a human being. Convenience. Yeah. yeah. Convenience is key as always. Um, but, you know, on that point, that, so that was the biggest disparity in terms of how many marketers are on a channel versus how many consumers are. Yeah. But actually in this report, one thing we didn't cover was how that sort of lines up when you look at other platforms like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, etc. So those were identified as the top three platforms that marketers uh, and consumers both anticipate using the most over the next 12 months. Um, and actually the divide between how many consumers are on there versus how many marketers are on those platforms is like literally 10% mm. or less. Um, so actually, if you're wanting to perfect anything, obviously there's some thought to be put into WhatsApp, but you're not actually that far away from perfecting that, you know, meeting absolutely everyone on those platforms. If you just increase um, volume of posting or activity or you're paid, whatever it is, by that 10%, you'll be sort of doing absolutely everything that you can to meet people on those channels. Yeah, solid advice. And while we're here, I just want to give a shout out to Orkney Library. Right. Three times as many followers than residents. It's got 80,000 followers. Yeah, no, I'm looking at their Twitter now. That's quite impressive for like a really small library, like in the, like somewhere random in Scotland. And you bet, you bet that people have visited Orkney just from yeah. looking at Orkney Library. Yeah. So big shout out to them. And uh, yeah, go and check out their feeds as well as checking out the 2022 Sprout Social Index is one to read.